content. Yeah, Bitcoin, um, that's the way forward, I think. When we're looking at stuff like I was reading an article from the, see if I can still pull it up. I was talking about it on an earlier pod today about um, the Fed, Federal Reserve Chairman saying that Bitcoin, shit, what just happened? Why is that up? Stop. Um, that Bitcoin is basically like a substitute for gold. And he was trying mm. to downplay it as if it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> it was like that. Yeah. He says, um, his name is Jerome Powell. He's criticized cryptocurrencies in a recent panel discussion stating that the government focus, government's focus remains on traditional investments and it, uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, what did he say? Where'd it go? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he says cryptocurrencies did not compete against the dollar. They were a substitute for gold. It's more of a speculative asset that's essentially a substitute for gold rather than for the dollar. The funny thing is about that is that fiat currencies are, are substantiated by gold. So why wouldn't you want something that's comparable to gold versus paper money that they just print out of thin air that does absolutely nothing if it has no gold. Yeah, value. exactly. I mean, originally when we had money, that's a note would denote gold in a bank somewhere, but now it doesn't. So yeah, Actually, I was talking to my dad about this um, because he knows somebody, well, it's his godson, which I don't think he's been in touch with for a while, but he know he's very, good friends of his dad and he got into bitcoin 10 years ago oh nice yeah so he he invested probably like up to five thousand and now he's a multi-millionaire i was gonna say he's, <laughs> <laughs> tons of cash. yeah but i think it's like even like if but because it's so um what do you mean it's uh so everything changes so drastically a few like even just a few years ago that you know he was at the point of like asking his dad i might need to crash your account mm. <laughs> because it's so volatile but now you know it seems to have like a really kind of um like the the projection of it is very good i think they're gonna they're saying it's gonna reach a hundred thousand the value of one, one bitcoin is gonna reach a hundred thousand by the end of this year so, yeah, it's a six. This is well. I don't know where it is exactly right now, but I'm looking at this article and it says that it it soared to sixty thousand, and it was just a year ago at thirty five hundred. Mm. That's absurd. But yeah, I mean, you're you know? looking at a potential bubble as well, so you have to really. That's the only concern. That risk that I worry about is something like that, especially when we're looking at things historically from a, uh, a a market standpoint and they hate cryptocurrency i know yeah. the, the american government is starting to do some things with crypto and but you have a lot of companies that are now accepting payment yeah via crypto you know tesla and so on but um yeah i mean if it's if it's sustains itself that's great and i think we see Things like this, this statement by the, the Fed chairman, because the American dollar is is no longer going to be the world reserve currency. Very, yeah, very exactly. Soon. It threatens such institutions and all banks because we're kind of like, they were taking the power out of their hands. That's what's happening. They're no yeah. longer in control. So obviously they're going to put up a front. Um, so no, it's good. But then I don't quite understand this, that apparently the amount of bitcoin like halves like every five years or something like that 
I'm not familiar. Okay, yeah, nor am I. <laughs> so I, I didn't quite understand why that was. But then I was thinking, is it because it's kind of like to maybe avoid, um, well, inflation as such, but that wouldn't really apply for this cryptocurrency. So I, I don't really know, but I just thought, oh, that's, I've just been told, you know, think of that, it's on the horizon. So when you're investing, you need to, because I think it's only one year until that point or something. So, yeah. So I'm a bit like, right, I don't quite understand the repercussions if you do have Bitcoin. I don't, I don't quite understand it. But. Mm. I don't even understand what, a Bit, what Bitcoin even is or where it came from. Yeah, I just think of it like a little magical spark in the air. <laughs> because I know it was a, a Japanese um, uh, creator. And then, but this is the thing. So I think he only allows like a certain amount of Bitcoin to circulate every, every, for every five years or something. Um, but yeah, I, I still don't quite understand what it is. And... I just remember initially when it was introduced, everybody was very worried because they're like, great, you can use Bitcoin to buy things on the black market, you know, on the right. deep dark net. So I'm a bit like, isn't that still the case? But now it's just <laughs> becoming more of a legitimate thing with the likes of like Tesla or like even like Twitter when they say they were thinking of like paying their employees and Bitcoin and stuff. Mm. I mean, it's going to be like 0. 0. 0.000. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, I don't know if I would want to be in that position just in case the Bitcoin goes down. And mm. then I'd be like, eh, great. You know, I think I'll probably be like, I want a bit half and half as such. You'll be like, yeah. So I'm not too sure. I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily going to fly. I think that should be to, be to people's own discretion. Yeah. That's kind of part of the risk that we take, though, with stuff like this. Because if some guy is saying, well, this is what it is and this is how much I'm going to release every year. And I'm, I'm sure it goes deeper than that. But my, my basic understanding of something like that is, is where, where did he get it all from? You know? Yeah. What, 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 <laughs> what is How it? did he make it legit? <laughs> exactly. Because my dad like I was, you know, we were talking about this Bitcoin and stuff. And then he just said, everything, money is a belief system, Jenny. And I was like, okay, interesting. It's like, everybody has to buy into it, especially now when not every note can be backed up by a quantifiable amount of gold. And then he's like, Bitcoin is exactly the same. And I'm like, okay, at least with normal money, you have a physical manifestation of this. Yeah, it's tangible. Yeah, so I don't know how the founder like did it, and why is it legit? Is it because we're like, okay, you came up with a new currency, cool, I will give you this in exchange for these goods or services. So then that's how it develops value because somebody goes right. It's like, a, yeah, it's like, oh, I like the sounds of your god. <laughs> 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 so okay, if he's gonna like answer this prayer, cool. Here's this magic bean. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's kind of how dollars are anyway, though, because and I and I kind of had this minor epiphany back when I lived in California and I was talking to this girl in my acting class and and I was like, money is 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 nothing. It's just because it was at the point where things were really starting to move digitally. And I had done something with maybe PayPal or something. And, you know, the transfers were done instantly and da da da. I'm like, I gave them nothing. They moved. Mm. They moved nothing 
and now there's something somewhere else. So I think what it was is I was pissed off that they were charging me a fee. That's what it was. Like we're charging you a, a processing fee or something. I'm like, you're not doing anything. You're, mm. you're not moving anything because I'm not giving you anything to move. It's all happening in a computer somewhere, right? As the computer is saying, person A has just given us $1,000 and now we're taking that digital deposit and digitally transferring it to somebody else's digital storage facility, basically, which is a bank. And they don't have th that money there. So that money doesn't exist. And that's what happened with Washington Mutual about three years later, which was a bank in the US. And when the markets collapsed, people did a run on the bank. They're like, we want our fucking money. And then they're like, well, we don't have your fucking money. <laughs> so yeah. they're like, all right, well, you're federally insured. I want my money. And then people took all their mm. money out and then the bank had no money. And then they're like, Ugh, and they went out of business. Yeah. So all of it's all just numbers in a computer system. So in that sense- it Sounds like a Ponzi scheme in a way. I know, it kind of is, you know? Mm. So kind of what your dad was saying is right. It, it, it's nothing. It's just the belief system that there's something there when it really isn't. Yeah. We, we saw it in, um, in Greece a few short years ago when people were trying to go to their banks and get their money because mm. they were like, what's going on? And then the banks were like, well, we can give you 200 bucks. That's all we can give you a day. And you're like, what are you talking about? I've got thousands or whatever in there. I want my money. Yeah. And they wouldn't give it to them. So you have to be careful because the banks, they'll always be protected or at least historically yeah. they're too big to fail. It's, yeah. Isn't that <laughs> scary though? Because the amount of sacrifice people have made to get that money, you know, sometimes they're working these jobs they hate and all this kind of stuff. And for it to all just kind of to, you know, be it hit a wall and just be like no you're not even going to get that money you thought you had <laughs> i mean it's just disgusting yeah i always i don't know just like this image i remember like when i was studying history at school and i think it was after the um first world war and it was you know there was hyperinflation in germany and i just remember this black and white image of people going to the bakers or whatever. And they used to have like wheelbarrows of money. Mm. I mean, it was just nuts. And I mean, like that's going the other way, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's just, it's just scary. And I, I think that that's why I, from the little I know, um, I welcome, I welcome Bitcoin yeah. because they, you know, I feel it's more trustworthy than the banks and they're getting rich of our money and that, oh, yeah. and the amount of interest they're giving us is fucking pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they um, they that's why people were burying money in, in coffee cans in their backyards, you know, because they didn't trust the banks or stuffing mm. their mattresses with cash. And when lockdown happened uh, and I used to watch this guy on the news called Glenn Beck back before he went completely nuts. And he was always like, you know, he was really good at predicting stuff. He was really good mm. at dot connecting and he's showing you, he's like, look, you need to buy perishable or non-perishable foods, you know, buy these survival things. And everyone talked all this, all this crap. You should have this much water in your house available in case something goes wrong. And yeah. here, here we go. Fast forward to, I don't know, it's probably about eight years maybe. And then COVID happens. And then, you know, you don't know if you could drink your water because now you don't know if it's in the water, at least mm. in the beginning, we didn't know. 
um, you couldn't get food a lot of times because stores were picked clean, obviously. And if you didn't have to wait in line for, you know, an hour plus to get food because the markets were small. And if you're, if you're in, in London, God, there's way more people there than there are where you are, or where I am. So it was even harder to get food. But he also said, have 30 days of cash on hand, which mm. I was like, huh, okay. Because then subsequent to me watching that, here comes Greece, Greece topples, you know? And then yeah. now I, I, first thing I did when they were start talking about COVID was I went to the bank and I took out 500 bucks, you know, I'm like, I'm going to at least have five big ones sat here in case I need it, which I never yeah. ended up using it because people didn't end up wanting to not touch the cash. They're like, we're not taking cash, you know, it's card only. And it's like, all right, I get it. But um, yeah, you have to, you have to be careful and, and see what happens. And you were talking about, or we were, when we were saying how they weren't allowing people to have money um, and the banks can not give us much back. We're seeing that now in China who, is poised to be the world economic power by 2030 i'm, I'm reading so that's very 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 soon very mm. soon <laughs> very yeah. soon so the world reserve currency won't likely be the dollar i was watching something from the same guy glenn beck um eight nine years ago whatever and he was talking about how countries weren't taking the dollar anymore and countries weren't taking dollars you go to mexico and they're like we don't want your dollars um they were trying to get the gold reserve, uh, the world reserve currency, not to be the U.S. dollar. So they didn't want to trade oil in dollars. And mm. that's when you had like Muammar Gaddafi, who was coming up with this gold dinar, where he wanted to trade in gold. And that's when people had started buying up, sell us your gold, sell us your spare gold that you don't keep around the house anymore. And people were happy to bring in that old '80s, you know, Mr. T shit and sell it and try and get some money from it. But they were banking on that gold because they knew that the cash was useless it was declining and it was becoming just once they do the quantitative easing and they just start printing off money they're doing it now in the u.s because they're giving money to like honduras or something like that they're trying to pay them to get them to keep their people in their country instead of coming over the border into america right so they're they're, they're trying to pay their government to pay their military to enforce their borders to keep their people out of America um, instead of, you know, so, so now they've, they've just printed out something like 700, was it like 70 million or something like that? I don't remember the exact number, but just in cash, that's just, they printed it just, mm. and, and it has nothing backing it. And now it's just floating around an extra three quarters of a billion dollars out there. That's nothing but kindling basically. Um, yeah. So we have to keep an eye on stuff like that. But China, like you, like we were saying about the money thing, about them not giving you money, they've set up this system over there now where mm -hmm. they're so good with their technology. And I say good, uh, it's not necessarily good to me, but they're so advanced with their technology and their, their AI and so on that they are... Um, monitoring their people in ways that we can't even imagine. So in this documentary I was watching, they were talking about, the documentary was called Coded Bias. They were talking about how in China, they're using their facial, facial recognition for like everything. Mm. So if you go to a store, they show a video of this girl 
and she's trying to pay for stuff and she's paying for it with her face. So mm. instead of, you know, yeah, we have it on our phone and, you know, you can tap your phone or whatever, but everything is controlled by the government at this point. So it's, it's like Apple runs everything, so to speak. And if you, if you are out of line, they could, I don't know. Just close it down. Yeah. Therefore you can't spend money anywhere. <laughs> what are you supposed to do then? How do you um, go get around that? Because the government controls everything there. So they control your electricity, your utilities, your, your internet, everything. That's really scary. Yeah. And the, the girl that they were following, she was talking about these social credit stores scores. And we talked about this oh. briefly, very briefly. Yeah. The black merit episode. Go right. Ahead. So, and this has been going on for a while. And I remember talking about it years ago and nobody really knew. So they didn't really have much to say about it, but she made a point that was really frightening to me. And, and she was talking about how, yeah, if I meet somebody new, you know, I can just look up their, their social credit score or whatever it's called. And I can see if this person has been uh, a, a, a criminal or, you know, done some things that might affect my social credit score. So then I don't even have to, I won't associate with them just because I can look at the app. So after I like scan them or whatever, I can yeah. see, oh, you know, this person's done this, that, and the other. And she said, I don't have to get to know people in order mm, to find dangerous, out. Dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, that's Well, it's, too, it's like double-edged really, because um, when you said social score, I instantly went to social media. And that's where I was like, oh, I'm mean, like, well, I, I won't have much. And actually, I wouldn't want to be with somebody who has much of a social media footprint. Um, <laughs> right. Actually, honestly, like the guys have been, you know, the last two guys I was serious with, they don't have any like social media. And I'm actually like, yeah, I fucking like that. I respect that. You just mind your own business. You don't give a shit about, you know, advertising what's going on in your life. So, um, so that's what I, where I first went to. And then... But then again, I am a massive true crime fan and some of the episodes I hear about d domestic abuse, if somebody could, you know, do a scan on a man and go, or a woman, whatever, and realize, right, they've got a history of violence or something. Um, I think that's the thing. Let's say you might just go, oh, no, you know what? Um, no, thing, but I guess it would be a problem would be if let's say if that person had really changed, they had reformed themselves, that, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be open to giving them another chance. But I think people would, I mean, that conversation would have to come about at some point. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely benefits to it. But yes, um, it also depends because now I'm thinking of, I have quite a few um, uh, Pakistani friends and they tell me, when they were having their family find them suitors for arranged marriages, um, even though, you know, they're very contemporary in the way they live their lifestyle. They're you know, very well educated, all this kind of stuff. But this is what the family still wants to, you know, to use as a means of finding, finding them a partner. And they have these marriage CVs. So they would have a picture and they'd have all their physical stats. And then it was like, what university you went to, what degree, what, um, uh, what you got, what mark you got. 
and it has like all your educational things. I think even like it might have something, I'm not too sure about this, especially for the men in terms of like what they earn, mm. I think. And I just think to myself, wow, how fucking superficial is that? <laughs> I mean, and I, for example, myself, I didn't go to a very good university, but I'm not stupid. Right. So I don't think I would do very well on that CV, you know, but it's just like, yeah, what are the elements, uh, what elements are we willing to reduce people to? Mm, that, was, um, that was one of the things about that coded bias film. Sorry to cut you, but they were talking about like how a teacher was not given tenure based off of some algorithm that said he was a shitty teacher when in fact he had been given numerous awards as being a good teacher but mm. there was like we can't take any of that into account as people we're yeah. trusting this algorithm so people are down but, but then i think maybe in terms of work performance it could actually be quite useful because i think there was an article i was reading recently and it was saying how <laughs> uh this will maybe a bit of a segue um to our later topics that some men are more likely to get promoted over women but when you actually look let's say like the, a man and a woman are in the same position same responsibilities same, but the man is more likely to kind of uh promote himself better than a woman so and that kind of annoyed me and i think if you could go off the stats more then maybe they, they would speak for themselves. But also being realistic, you know, there are, I think self-promotion and doing a bit of networking is necessary. Mm. You know, I shouldn't, I don't think it should um, overshadow the results you're um, bringing in. But I think maybe something like that could be useful or even, well, I, even for medical purposes. Well, this is actually another one. It could really help with somebody, you know, that about to faint. Okay, I'm going to scan them. What, you know, we can administer the necessary procedures, medicine. But then also, what if you think, right, that person um, is not going to be able to have children. Or if they do, they've got some genetic defects. So therefore, right off the, you know, I'm not even going to bother dating them. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a very slippery slope. We're already doing things like that with, um, I wish I could remember what it's called. There's a new, oh man, see, I need this alpha brain pill so <laughs> I can remember shit. Basically, they're already working on gene editing like that. So, mm. um, what's it called? There's a new program and I was just reading about it and it takes out, um, it takes out certain things that people don't want yeah i've heard about like this gene I mutation think. i can't remember what it's mm. called but um crispr that's what it is crispr it's called crispr and um that's what people are doing so they wanna they wanna it, it changes dna sequencing mm. and and this is so that you can have what you want and you can take out certain things that might be genetic defects and so on that exist within your, your, your DNA. And when you, when you said something about, you know, the, the, the stats of the person and so on, people in the States, well, sorry, women that I am aware of in the States, they won't date you unless they know your credit score. 
Really? Wow. Yeah, and this has been going on for a while. This is not, this is 10 years at least that this has been a thing. So, So how do they go about finding that out? Do they just ask you, or there's like different ways of, like, I don't know, some backdoor ways they can find out? They go through your, break into your house, go through your papers. (laughs) Well, if you're my ex girlfriend, you just install spyware on the computer and you can check it out but um she sounds like a keeper <laughs> oh my God. yeah federal wiretapping laws being violated you always want that chick yeah. uh, anyway you they basically ask and and let's be honest if my credit score is i don't know 800 or better i'm probably going to be living a certain way mm. and that's not necessarily across the board just because my credit score is good doesn't mean that I'm into lavish life, right? I can have a good credit score and, and you know, just be living, living low. Um, I think the, the, I think the problem that we face is that, and we're seeing it anyway, is that when you start developing all this tech, there's always a, some entity that wants to take it and make it about making money and, mm. and making money usually comes from defense and and military and that's just where it goes and that's why we have war all the time war 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 because we make so much money from the military industrial complex it's, it's never ends. Yeah. It's never ending so you keep keep perpetuating world instability and you've mm. got you've got businesses just going non-stop like if you own a tank company right down to the company that supplies the steel that makes the tanks they're happy that you're making war because they make Mm. billions of dollars as a result and it's not even just um in terms of uh, weapons and things like that i i think so was it fahrenheit 9-11 and they were talking about um halibut (laughs) and um and basically like yeah, had a bath and not the fish. Cause it havoc. And it was just about like the whole like George um, Bush Jr.'s like administration, how they were all invested in these companies that were um, made money off war. And in terms of even just like the food that was being served to the soldiers, the uniforms, kind of like the the softer things, but absolutely necessary. Yep. Um, Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, really. And then actually what you said last week about the prisons in the US, mm. the private the privatization, that just kind of, I think I saw a little bit of that once in a Louis Theroux documentary, but it was like more focused on, actually, yeah, because that was the worst thing, because it was basically saying that people had served their prison sentence, but they still weren't being released. So therefore, it was actually worse because now they were in this kind of, they were in this limbo state. It was privately run, but they just had no idea whenever, when they could leave. And at the same time, it's just like, hmm, were they fully re- rehabilitated? Were they cause more havoc to society? Uh, is it better for them to be in there for themselves and whatever? But yeah, meanwhile, they make, you know, these companies are making money. Um, but yeah, unfortunately... That's why there is less of an emphasis, I think, on rehabilitating prisoners, on trying to find peaceful means to um, to situations because mm. gotta make that money. Gotta make money. There's no rehabilitation. Stained in blood. 
There's, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's no corrections in any correctional facility taking place. Yeah, they're, definitely you know, not. They're locking them in, in solitary confinement and driving them crazy. And yeah. basically, it's legalized slavery. If you look at the amendments to the Constitution, that is the only area where you're allowed to make people work and not have to pay them. Mm. Um, and it, it is, you know, they build the roads. You know, for certain states, they do a lot, but they don't get paid any of it. And they say, well, you know, you're, you're, you're paying your debt to society by doing this. And um, all along, my company is making tons of money in the process. But Yeah, I mean, my objection is actually not to them working. I'll say that because it actually depends. Like, for example, it depends on what kind of jobs they're doing. It could actually give them... Once they leave, because I think this is another issue I have with people, you know, once they leave prison, it's so much, it's so easy to just turn back to crime and stuff because they, don't, they might not necessarily have a trade under their belt, all this kind of stuff. So if it could be done in a positive way to go, right, you know what, if you actually learn a skill in here that you like and that will be helpful to society, that'd be great, you know. Um, so actually giving people hope and like of a life on the outside and maybe to support themselves and their family. But, so I don't actually mind them not getting paid, but I think I don't like the fact that these companies are profiting from them or if profit is being made, why is that not going into um, maybe in the case of like the US going into giving people who can't afford certain medical procedures, giving it to, the, I don't know, it should be like a, May, yeah, that would be better. That would sit very well on my conscience if that mon money was being used for positive means to affect change. Yeah. No, you're in a dream Yeah, world. there's like... <laughs> <laughs> That's where I live. <laughs> yeah. These people, are, their only objective is to make as much money for their shareholders as possible. Yeah, no, it's, it's bullshit. I hate it all. Yeah, I wasn't... I don't understand. Some people, that's just how they operate. I remember being in um, a way. I don't like to give away too much information because I know people <laughs> listen. <laughs> I was in another country with some wealthy people and we we're sat around just, you know, on vacation. And they're talking about things that they're going to do when we got home so that they can then make even more money and for me at my age and they were um, a little bit older than me and for me going on vacation is when i've i'm taking a break from and a deserved break from all the things that i've achieved and worked on so when we would go on vacation i'm still working i'm still editing video and putting up stuff and auditioning and so on I haven't reached the point where I feel like I can just go away and sit on my ass for a month, you know, whereas my partner could go away and sit on her month or ass for multiple months and it wouldn't affect her bottom line at all because she's wealthy. Right. So I'm hearing all these weird noises. Sorry. It's just like to know that there's no one walking around in my house, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they were talking about making, you know, millions by, taking one piece of property, destroying that one, and then putting up multiple pieces of property, and then we can sell all of them. 
And it, this is the cycle that they do and they keep going. And, I, and I'm sat there listening to it all. And I'm thinking, at what point are you satisfied? You know, mm. because I think about it and I, and I, and, and the, the way that I can relate it is if I got a big role on a TV show or maybe on a film and I got paid X amount of millions of dollars for the film or however many episodes of the TV show over however many years. I think that I can comfortably say that I'm done. I don't need to act anymore. I don't need to do anything. I mean, I probably would, but I wouldn't care as much if I didn't book as much. And Mm. same thing like with athletes. And they're like, hey, I I love to play football, but I'm here for the check. You know, I'm not here to smile at the media. I'm not here to do this, that, and the other. I want the endorsements. I want to make, you know, X amount of millions. And then I'm not going to play sports anymore. And I respect that. So but some people, they, they just keep going. They keep going. They keep going. I need more and more and more. When do you stop and just smell the roses? Now, mm. I, I appreciate if you got kids and you've got responsibilities and you need to keep feeding the machine so that it just, you know, it keeps going. I get that. But there needs to be a point where you need to just enjoy being alive and and maybe that's what they enjoy is that hustle, but there's so much more going on out there that mm. you can make nourish your your mind with than dealing with this work stuff. And I think that's where we're gonna be really looking at artificial intelligence in in a production standpoint, because people are gonna say, Oh, well, I don't want to do this anymore. I can have a robot. Perfect example. I just bought a robot to vacuum my floor. Cause I don't want to vacuum the floor mm. so I can program this thing with my phone. I've got a remote control for it too. So if I'm watching TV and I'm like, Oh, you missed the spot. I can make it move or whatever. That's, that's basic, you know, minutia. That's the entry level mm. nonsense that I would appreciate. So take these big companies, big tech, for example, and they start to manipulate the AI to start doing all these things like your phone and your watch can pay for you to get onto the underground and you can pay for your groceries and whatever else. That's convenient, but then they start ramping it up so that the AI is now policing. It's, it's performing surgeries. I mean, I can imagine the policing thing would be drones and, you know, a voice would come out, but like, what are you, I mean, maybe I've seen this in a film like Robocop or something. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, and then, yeah, if they, yeah. And then it's just shoot people. If they're like, <laughs> I don't like what you're doing. Bring, bring, bring. <laughs> I mean, it sounds funny and, and weird, but it's dystopian future that we're yeah. headed towards. I mean, so why? we're going to fight wars. How, why? Oh yeah, that's definitely happening. That's, I've already yeah, seen yeah. that. That's definitely happening. And why would mm. I, if we look at, if we look at the state of the world today, for example, I don't have this woman's name in front of me because I don't really care what her name is, but she's this <laughs> cop in Minnesota that killed this guy yesterday, a couple days ago. And she's, she, it was a traffic stop. She pulls this guy over, or I don't know if she did, but there were multiple cops on the, on the scene at this, in this shooting. She claimed she was reaching for her taser and she pulled out her gun and she shot this guy. How do you mistake a taser for a Glock handgun and Mm. you're trained, you're supposed to be trained to deal with these domestic combat situations. If you want to even call it that it was a traffic stop. 
he had like air fresheners hanging from his window and they they looked weird so they pulled him over and then they're pulling him out of his car that's so stupid all along while this whole george floyd trial is going on in Mm. that city right now okay so cops are in my opinion the first ones to go okay we can't we can't program or ascertain what their intent is so if we remove them from the loop, this is kind of like that movie War Games. I don't know if you're kind of young, you've probably never seen it, but Matthew Broderick film. And this was during the Cold War, and we were at war potentially with Russia. So everything is nuclear missiles, 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 missiles. And they have these guys in these silos, like in this fake house where they go to this house, and they go down into this basement, and they have all these computers around them, and they have two guys, and they have to simultaneously turn these keys to launch the missiles to you know, to attack Russia. Well, one of the guys doesn't turn his key. And it was just a simulation, but they didn't know that it was a simulation. And he's like, I mean, I need to get somebody on the phone before I blow up 50 million people. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, sir, this is this is an order from wherever, you know, he's got his gun pointed at him. He's like, turn your key and the guy's not turning his key. So long story less long, they pull the guys out of the silos and they replace them with computers. Right? So now you got a computer mm-hmm. down there running the missile launch program. And um, Matthew Broderick is this geek, geeky kid, computer geek in the 80s. He plays video games and he's got this dope computer at his house. And he wants to play these games that he finds on, the, on a magazine. So he breaks into the company's main server or whatever to play these games. But unbeknownst to him, he's broken into the government's war computer. So he's seeing all Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So he sees all these games and it's like, you know, chess, backgammon, and then it's like biochemical nuclear war, you know? (laughs) And he's like, holy (laughs) shit, right? He's like, these aren't games from Protovision, you know? He's like, this is something weird. So he decides to start playing a game with with the computer. I want to play global thermonuclear war. And ends up he's playing a game a simulation with this war computer and the war computer is the computer that now has control over these missiles so mm. the, the the game is trying to launch the missiles and the, the government is like holy shit how do we make it stop and they can't because the computer you know has already it's it's got all these things in place where they can't turn it off basically so that's the problem that we potentially look at when we start developing too much technology. And in my opinion, I, I, I don't know, because I don't live in the future, but we what? have, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have these, we have, we, have, <laughs> we have these options available to us to do great things, like you said, with surgery and whatnot. But there's always that evil Dr. Claw, mm. you know, the, Dr. Evil or whatever doctor you want to call it that wants to make money, that wants to use it to control people. And even once we go past that, a lot of people like Elon Musk and even Stephen Hawking were saying, you know, AI can develop a will of its own and it'll start to think differently than we think. And once AI gets to a certain point, it can start to create itself right doesn't like need you yeah doesn't need you anymore and then once we start having them policing and i saw in some country where they had dogs that were roaming the parks um because people weren't supposed to be out during covid 
and these dogs were running around these parks robot dog enforces social distancing in Singapore park. <laughs> <laughs> so a robot dog is patrolling one of Singapore's parks as part of a COVID related trial. Um, and I, here it is. The machine was made by us based Boston dynamics and is fitted with a camera to monitor, to monitor people. And this little thing's just running around. And now you don't even have to have a foot soldier out there. So people are, people will, mm. people will vote for this. People will say, yes, please. I would much rather have that because I know it's going to follow the law and this is the rule. And, but then we start getting into that black and white category where we, we know that we have the, uh, the, the, the ability to rationalize things, I guess, and process information that might be relevant to a situation, whereas an AI is going to say, it's not going to say anything. It's going to say you did this and that's, and those, I don't care why, you know, I mm. must, I must destroy you. So, but I think that can be good actually. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I think let's say exactly AI can offer this back and white because I think as human beings, one of our strengths, but also one of our great weaknesses our emotions. So therefore they will blur the facts a lot. Even as like in terms of relationship, if you, uh, you're looking at somebody with rose tinted glasses and let's say you're a girl from Essex and you're like writing to this guy who's like on death row in some jail in America. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I think, and I think it's an example I brought up um, before, which is featured in Malcolm Gladwell book, talking to strangers about how actually when a judge was, um, put against a, um, a computer program to, um, to compare how they would have like, sentenced people, the, the computer program was a lot better at pre uh, um, predicting what type of behavior those people were going to have. Whilst the judge, you know, they, they interviewed a judge and the judge was saying, oh, you know, I'm very much swayed by, like, I look at the person in the eyes. Everybody wants to feel like, everybody wants to feel like they're a great judge of character. And then he sees the family as well. And then like, oh no, they're crying or maybe. So I think that's, that's the thing. Like that could be good because um, the computer program, you know, was a lot fairer. And also it talks about what about if a judge wakes up on a bad day, you know, wakes up on a bad mm. day and they're like, you know what, you, I don't like the way you looked at me. He was like, what? <laughs> and I said, so I'm going to give you 60 years or somebody for a very similar crime could have got like three years. So therefore it does, it can um, provide some uniformity, which is not subject to emotions and moods and all that kind of stuff. But then again, yeah, maybe we do need to consider human factors as well. Yeah, because when we, when I was watching that that documentary, Coded Bias, it's about this girl who's a lab researcher from MIT, and and MIT is is a major university for super smart people that are into you know mathematics and tech and so on, and she discovers that this facial recognition uh, program, she was developing this this mirror basically i'm trying to remember because it was really just in the very 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 beginning of the film and she develops this mirror and this mirror is supposed to um help you with something like it's a motivational mirror or something like that oh, wow. and you, you look in this mirror in the morning and it says hey you know you look great and blah 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 and, and it it 
it was really cool. It was a really cool concept. So, but the problem was, is that the facial recognition software that, the, that she had put into the mirror didn't recognize dark skin faces accurately, <laughs> right? Exactly. So she embarks on this. Mirror. Yeah, it was a racist mirror. And she would put on like a, like a white mask, just like a, you know, like a, a theater mask. And yeah. It, and it would, bam, there it is. Doot, 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 doot. All the dots would connect and it would show the face. She would take the mask right off and it would say no face detected. Put it on, yeah. take it off. So she starts going down this this road of you know the bias of algorithms and its full impact. So if if because most of the people that work in tech, at least at this level, are white men, mm. they start to program things in a way that they see them. So then you get into that judge is just now a computerized version of this racist ideology that might exist or sexist ideology they were saying that um you know the 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 algorithms were heavily biased against women there was one that i think amazon was using and it didn't recognize or suggest women for anything like for jobs or something like that it just all men all good yeah men. nice <laughs> so, <laughs> no women it was like she's not qualified like if it was Trouble. going through yeah and if they were using like scanning software and i've had yeah. someone tell me about this for like cvs resumes and if it said anything to do with women like i participated in women's swimming or whatever at university level or i was part of my women's group for equality whatever it was it was mm. scanned for those key words and it would eliminate that cv altogether it's not even an option yeah, and then I think in the documentary Super Freakonomics, they were talking about the the prevalence of names on a CV, right. and they had they got two CVs, well, it was the one CV, but they duplicated it, and then they put different names, mm. and it was just basically talking about the racism that there is. So if you don't have a white name, you <laughs> won't be considered, even if you know. And they were talking about also it was quite interesting about also like how very kind of um like certain names were evolved from like the black panther movements mm. so they're very like you know very strong very so they were saying how if you had but also they were looking at kind of like white trader trash names so for example britney <laughs> candy <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff that also will um trigger you know be yeah you be to your detriment because those are considered to be stripper names and all that kind of stuff so it works you know it's just certain names certain <laughs> connotations but yeah it's um yeah it's a bit sad those go into the personal file for later personal interviews <laughs> the stripper names like, so you want a job huh <laughs> oh, yeah, you... that'd be suspicious i'm like yeah Candy, can you come in for this analyst role <laughs> it'll be at eight o'clock in the evening <laughs> sunday dress sexy <laughs> um, yeah, nick casual. is optional yeah, it's, it's, it's a casual interview it's casual underwear optional what kind of beer do you like? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember seeing, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. Just, so you, when we talked about names. Yeah, that's what names, 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 names. That's what it was, names. Yeah. And um, 
it was funny, this comedian I, I was watching, he was talking about how he was given his son a very, this black guy was given his son a very white name, you know, and his name was like Kwame or something like that. And he's like, I named my son Steve. And he's like, he's like, man, Steve has job potential. You know, they don't know that my son's not white until he gets to the job interview. You know, I'm like, that's right. And when I moved here, I remember my neighbor was from, I think he's of Pakistani descent. And he's a fucking pilot and he couldn't get work. And because of obviously because of nine 11, they're like, you're, you're a terrorist, on a, you know, potential terrorist. I'm like, you have to change your name from, you know, Azad to Alex, you know, <laughs> yeah. something. you oh, just geez. have to, you can't mm. have that name. And he couldn't get work as a result. And, um, so it makes sense that that, mm. that 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 exists, but I mean, we have to understand or expect that there's gonna be problems with these things. And for me, it's the long-term ramifications that we need to really be aware of or or even be looking at. We can't we can't predict how any of this stuff is gonna work, and that's the problem because we have we have Twitter and all these social media outlets that people go on to and they just kill each other every day. There's a Twitter, there's, there's, there's probably a dozen different Twitter battles yeah. going on right at this very second. People are arguing oh, yeah. with people that they don't know, they've never met before, never will meet before, or never will meet face to face and never spoken to. But they are dying on whatever hill they're on and they're just arguing with these absolute strangers. And we had no, um, we had no expectation of this to happen when, when Twitter was created. They just don't. And how they think that we're going to be able to implement this AI into our society without it being affected. Remember, I don't even know if you know that, um, I think it was Microsoft. They put out an AI, an, an AI Twitter account. Basically they created this thing and um, it was a, what's that damn thing called it was a robot or something it was a oh, i can't remember what it's called anyway they it was a there it is tay it was called tay and it was an artificial intelligence chatterbot that was originally released back in uh, 2016 but it was it had its own twitter account and you could talk to it and, and it would interact with you. And it was, it was AI, but people were saying, you know, Hitler was the, was the shit. And you know, the, the Holocaust was uh, uh, fake and all this stuff. Up, yeah. Right. So then people would start talking to it and it would start repeating all the stuff that people <laughs> had been feeding it because it was learning after us, you know, it was learning yeah. what we were teaching it. So there's no way that we can say that this is going to work and this is going to be great and it's not going to be abused and like like the china example the thing that i see like in america we already have ai we have it you know at a low level and you know our cars drive themselves to an extent there's a lot of really cool stuff and um but america has taken ai and done what america does and they've monetized it and that's all they care about they only care about making money whereas you have china has taken AI and they've made it into like this global big brother thing, right? So now you have security and 
you use it to pay and you're using it to determine whether or not I should be associated with you because you got arrested for this, that, and the other 20 years ago, and it's going to affect me. Um, there's all these things that it's using it for, but they're weaponizing it now. So they have an ability to take that AI and basically control an entire population. They're like, don't step out of line because we'll shut off your oxygen if you do, mm. right? You can't act stupid because you're not going to be able to get on the trains. We're not going to allow you to fly anywhere. So people stay in, and, and I like that, but I don't like that. It's, it's to a level where they have so much power over you. I like that it's, it influences people to behave better, which is great because society is a lot less chaotic when you yeah. know that if you you know, try to rob, rob this store, you're probably going to be, you know, uh, really struggling to find, find food or whatever. Um, cause you can only go buy food by using your face. Mm. So, I mean, it was good and it's bad, but it's like, there is no all good or all bad. People won't do that. And you were talking about like Spotify is doing the same thing where they have their AI and it's predicting songs, which to me, great. I find music that way because I'm, I'm older. I don't want to listen to shit that I don't know about. I just <laughs> don't. I'm like, I'm like the old guy when I was younger and all I want to listen to is the music that I know. So, yeah, no, I'm the same. So if they start suggesting stuff that I think is, is going to work for me, then that's cool. I find music that way. Um, but I don't know. How can it be sexist though? How are they only suggesting music made by men is that what you were saying so it's saying that it's not only suggesting music by men but for example let's say there's 10 songs that they're suggesting the first six or seven will be male artists so it's only once you get past that then you get female recommended artists and then they're saying that on average, only 25% of the musical artists ever listened to are female. Um, which for me, I just, that's just not my personal experience at all. I think I listen to probably most of my music is like, it's at least 50-50, if not higher. I mean, I listen mainly, like you, I just go into this kind of like playlists or whatever, um, these mixes, and that's how I discover music. And most of the music I like is based on Britney Spears or something like that. <laughs> you I really, love I have an trailer evolved. trash artist. I love her. <laughs> I love Britney. So yeah. So and then I'm looking at the. Um, so I mean, this has been known for quite a while. I think like in 2025, uh, 2025, living in the future, <laughs> 2020. Spotify rap statistics said that. The most streamed artists were, um, well, the top five most streamed artists were male. Um, and actually, it's just kind of funny, like looking at them, like I only know maybe like three of them. You've got like Bad Bunny, Drake, Jay Blavin. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Juice World and The Weeknd. And I'm like, oh, okay. But then again, I don't think I'm very in touch with like, you know, what's going on musically a lot. So, mm. um, so. And then they were saying also that, I didn't know about this either, that a lot of festivals, well, not recently, were coming under fire because their lineup um, didn't, it mainly consisted of men over women. Um, so 
but then I thought to myself, right, is this just because it's just like taking like Spotify's findings? And this has been done over nine years, and they, um, the researchers, they analyzed the listening behavior of 330,000 people over nine years. And I just think to myself, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg situation, I think, because it's a bit, is it because Spotify is recommending so many male artists that people are more prone to listen to male artists? Or is it um, because they've just looked at their listening habits and they know they like male artists generally more? Mm. So, and I think actually this research would be better if they could like, if there was a further divide and they could actually, okay, so 330,000, how many of them are men? How many of them are women? If you're um, a man, mm. are you more likely to listen to male music, women, more, you know, more female music? I mean, I would. I'm trying to find know, those stats right now and I can't see anything about that. All I see is 125 million paying subscribers. Um, you know, they have the numbers of the people that subscribe and I know they have this data. They just aren't releasing it. Cause yeah. I, I can look at my websites and tell you exactly who's clicked on the website, what kind of browser they yeah. use, whether they're male, female and what age they are. And exactly. um, so the information's there, they're not putting it out. Uh, at least the statistic st statista website is not doing it. Um, women use. I mean, essentially there's only like a couple of stats there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, that's what I was thinking that men use it more than women do. So men are going to be more prone to listen to male artists than women. But I don't, again, I don't have that. Um, that's my feeling as well. And then I think women are probably most likely to listen to both. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but maybe with female artists edging it a bit more. And then looking at them, you know, like looking at these top five male artists, like a lot of them do do collaborations with female artists as well. Um, so, and then also to divide this by age demographic would be very interesting as well, because maybe kind of older generations are more likely to listen to men, are like more likely to listen to other men, women to other women. So yeah, I feel now looking at this, I'm just like, it's a great article. <laughs> You could have given us a lot more Spotify, but yeah, you're just running with the kind of like the cheap shots here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, looking at the numbers of internet usage, women use the internet for, for social media type things way more than men do. So we're looking at yeah. like 77% of online women are Facebook users compared to like two thirds of online men, Instagram users, all that. Um, Pinterest women dominate, whereas like 44% versus 16, um, 31 to 24 on Instagram. LinkedIn is pretty much neck and neck. So, you know, Twitter is more men, Reddit, more men, Tumblr. Who uses Tumblr? I've mean, already said this before, but Facebook is dominated by females. So, uh, yeah, but then again, I would love to let's delve into a little bit more. Um, okay. I would like to know the frequency of, uh, you know, women using it. And then I think, for example, when, and I guess, yeah, maybe when you have children, like, I think this is something I'm seeing because, you know, I'm, I'm 36. I see like my cousins and like friends, whatever. 
when people tend to have children, there seems to be always this fucking explosion of like social media content and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, I don't necessarily need to see a picture of your child, like taking shit. Da, 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 da. Like I shit every day. I don't post a picture. Get over it. So I just feel, yeah, that maybe they kind of take on maybe like a family response. They think like, oh, this is our family photo album. I'm going to post and whatever. Whilst men, like, yeah, I feel like they're less, they are generally less interested in such things. And, and I think if men, men using Twitter more, I can see that because this sounds quite bad. But like, for example, Instagram, I feel like it's very superficial. It's very focused on looks and all that kind of stuff. Whilst Twitter is more cranial, right? It's more right. like the battle of the wits. It's kind of, so I feel, and actually maybe battle of the wits, maybe you could say is tinged with some aggression there. So we're talking about the Twitter <laughs> battles going on. So therefore maybe that is a forum that's more attractive for men. Hello, Donald Trump. <laughs> so. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's possible. Um, Spotify user statistics that will make, that will be a music to your ears. Okay, maybe I think I found it. Okay, here we go. Um, millennials make up 55% of Spotify base, 25 hours monthly, 50 million songs, 36% of global music market. Uh, yeah, they are not telling you shit. 248 million active monthly, 32 million subs, premium, Apple music. It's not showing you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's probably a lot, a lot of the factors that are going into that. Most of what we said likely about men are going to listen to more men. Um, women are going to listen to more women, but they're also going to listen to men and pop. I don't know what's going on in pop music. Never do, but I'm assuming that the pop charts are probably more male dominated. I would actually think that wouldn't be true. I would think it'd be more That's female what, dominated. I think it is personally. Um, I don't know a lot of like modern day pop, but I listened to Billie Eilish for the first time today because she was on this like workout playlist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think most of them are women. So this is what confuses me. Yeah. Um, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac, number one, Little Nas X, number two, Justin Bieber, number three, Cardi B, number four, Olivia Rodrigo, number five, The Weeknd, number six. Dua Lipa, number seven, Olivia Rodrigo again, same one, yep. number eight, The Weeknd again, number nine, Mass Wolf, uh, assuming that's a guy, uh, number 10. So, it's a wolf. It's got to be a guy. No chick calls himself a wolf uh, <laughs> unless they don't shave their personal parts. So, um, so of the top 10 on Billboard right now, it's, it's about 70% male. Oh, okay. I'll hear there's pictures next to him, actually. Um, yeah, it's mostly men. And that's probably... Yeah, once you get down into, like, the, the top 20, you're still seeing Pop Smoke, um, Saweetie, Doja Cat, Ariana Grande, Chris Brown, Drake, Pooh Shiesty. I don't know who any of these people are. Billie yeah, Eilish. Yeah, I don't know 
uh, Einish. Yeah, yeah she, she rounds out at number twenty. So it's it's a male dominated field by the looks. I mean, there's obviously women that are in there as well, but I think it seems like there's more men have more hits. We'll put it mm. that way. Doesn't mean that there aren't as many female artists, but they don't have as many hits as the men do. Because I see Drake on here multiple times. Yeah. I see, you know, I see these male artists on here multiple times. Um, so I like the algorithm. I like when it sends me new music. I don't like the sex sexist aspect that's going to be inherently built into it because men are the ones that are creating these algorithms that they can't even explain anyway, which is what gets mm. scary to me. So when we start talking about these algorithms and how they're going to be implemented in a courtroom, oh my God. I mean, to me, again, again, like with the police, to me, as someone that has been definitely screwed over in court like i'm like are you kidding me like on multiple occasions mm. i would probably welcome that as an alternative i'm like i'm getting fucked anyway i might as well be given an opportunity to just not be screwed over right whereas i know that when the white guy is sat on this on this on the bench i'm less likely to come out in a favorable uh manner versus this white man Steve. or woman <laughs> right? Bob in accounting that I'm suing over here because he's yeah. going to identify with that guy and he's not going to identify with me as much. Same as when it comes to getting hired for a job. When you see me or if you see, you know, someone that looks more like the European version of me, that guy's getting the job. So same with the police. If I see a cop, um, and not in this country, Thank goodness. I'm scared to death in America. See a cop, I'm like, fuck. Am I about to die in the next five minutes? Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I welcome the cop then. I welcome that. Mm, I, so, yeah. I see where you're coming. Exactly. They can re remove the racism element out of it. Because I think even if you're a good judge, even if you're... We all have unconscious bias. Oh, of course. And yeah, and even if you're aware of it and you try and deal with it, well, with the robots, it wouldn't be so much the case. No, but we're but I think it will be though, won't, won't it? Because if we're saying that these guys are the the they're not recognizing the face because it's programmed to recognize the white face because it's programmed by the white face, then and we're seeing that in Spotify, it's, it's male dominated because the men are creating these algorithms that say, oh yeah, that guy's my shit. He's in my thing. If you like Justin Bieber, you definitely are going to like uh, The Weeknd or, or Tombstone by Rod Wave, whoever that is or whatever. Um, Cause that's what I like. So that's what I'm going to suggest. I'm not going to suggest um, Gabby Barrett or, you know, Ariana Grande or, you know, Billie Eilish. I'm not going to do that. So that's where the problem I think comes in. And then because it's not going to really have my best interest potentially at hand because it's going to be programmed by the guy that doesn't like me anyway. I mean, the computer is nothing but an extension of the human anyway, right? And we teach it everything to do. That's why the computer was always safe because the computer might be able to, it's not smarter than me, but mm. it can do the things that I know how to do at a much speedy pace that's what made the computer yeah. amazing so you've got um you've got elon musk oh elon elon musk has created this uh this Neuralink that he was talking about for ages and he's released a video 
or a statement. Um, it's, it, did you, are you familiar with what Neuralink is? Yeah. Right. So I, actually, well, I, all I know is just basically it's an AI. Oh, no, is it like also cyborgs as well? No, um, it, it's, a, it's a brain chip that we get put into, okay. our, into our brains so that we can yeah. interface with things. You know how like Stephen Hawking, you could hear him talk, but he obviously wasn't typing anything. That's mm. what it's, it's kind of like. So my brain can, can send these, uh, the, the, the motion or the instruction to, to type stuff or yeah. to access my phone without me having to pick it up and you know, unlock it and type in a code and then type in what I want to search. My brain can make it do all that. So Elon's come out with this video of his Neuralink monkey playing video games with its brain. So mm. this is ridiculous because the, the, the monkey is controlling the video game. Like, I mean, I just said that, but it's like, uh, you have to let that sink in with, yeah. his, with his fucking brain, you know? So, and the way they did it apparently is they gave the monkey uh, Pong. I don't know if you know Pong, you know, where the, the ball goes back and forth and it's basically tennis. I, right. right. It's yeah. like, it was like the first video game of the controller. With the two lines that just right, going right, like right, that. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. they give the monkey the controller to play Pong. Monkey's playing Pong and um, and I really want to talk about these non-fungible tokens too. That's so weird. These NFTs and the amount of money that people are spending on these things. Um, so he's playing the game. They're giving him a reward. They're giving him a reward. So he learns how to play the game. And then they take the controller away from him. Mm. And uh, I don't know the, 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 the detail at this point, but basically he didn't get his reward. So now he's figured out a way to, God, I wish I could play it. Or maybe he started to think about it and it started to move. And then he just kept, you know, focusing, Oh, I can make it do it without the thing. So now it's playing and he's done it with his head. So this is great. This is unbelievably cool. Right? So now we have people that have neurological conditions that are going to be able to use their hands again, or people that have not been able to walk because they're paralyzed, they might be able to walk again. Um, all of these medical benefits that are just going to be considered modern medicine miracles. Mm. But now we get into the dark side of stuff too, because there's always down the line, how can we weaponize this? Mm, oh my God. What well, we going to say? over people's bodies make them into basically like a robocop thing and yeah i don't need you to i can make you do i can almost like a manchurian candidate but yeah. you can literally get them to do whatever you want and then but we'll get to the point where we don't need people for any of that stuff like you're saying about robots for going into war russia has been making these things for a while but it, once they've come to a point where they're actually nimble and they're, they're agile and they can do certain things and they're mm -hmm. out there, out there for real, that's a wrap because now the AI is not even really AI. I mean, I can say, you know, what, whatever device, I don't want to start talking to them because they always talk back because they're always listening, which is the scary part, but they can play my music. They can tell me how many feet are in a mile, whatever I need it to say. They can tell me what year an album got released. But once we start to advance those things and they have to start making decisions, 
is when we have unlocked the beast, in my opinion, because now they can start to determine issues in our world that aren't really issues to us, but are issues to them. Because once they've come to the point of semi-consciousness, they understand that this is a threat, but they know because I've programmed it to not get in water, right? So you don't want to get in that. That's going to send a red flag in through your processors. If you start to detect moisture coming from an area, I need this robot to avoid it. Just like my robot that vacuums, it won't go over the stairs. It knows that and that's good. I was going to ask. I want to get one. And I was like, uh, I had like a flight of stairs there. Right. Commit suicide. Like, no. Yeah, it stops. It stops right at the edge of the steps. So, so if I can program that little stupid thing to not go down the stairs, you can definitely program a multi-million dollar robot. We'll just say robot for the sake of identification uh, yeah. thing to not go near water, to not go out in the rain if it detects that there's rainfall, if it's susceptible to that. And then it will start to then ascertain threats based on what we've programmed it. So if I Mm. see somebody with a gun, then every kid on the street that's playing with a toy gun is at at risk. Um, But beyond that, it's, um, but beyond that, once it starts to determine these, these external threats, like like there's there's smog and you know it's killing off whatever and i can't get my processors to charge uh you know at the at the solar docking station because there's so much cloud cover we need to rectify this cloud cover well it's not cloud cover it's smog so we need to fix that so how do we fix the smog well there's too much traffic so why is there so much traffic because people are driving all over the place why are people driving everywhere because they need to get places but why are there so many people we don't need all these people i do this job that job and the third we need to start eliminating some of these people. There's too many of them here because I can't charge myself at this docking station because they're creating, uh, they're creating waste and global warming, warning, warming and all this other stuff. So they'll start killing us potentially. I mean, because they know we're the main threat to their livelihood. So I just think we need to be careful. We're in a lot of trouble if we start developing too much. And maybe this is what aliens are saying, hey, knock that shit off with the technology because you guys are going to go too far and they're going to wipe us out. I'm, I'm reading. They think, well, why would we need humans around? We can replicate ourselves now. They're nothing but soft and, and gooey creatures that really don't do much. You know, they don't, they don't, we don't do anything that they can't do. <laughs> they can't do better. And once they determine that extinction, wipe them out, get them out of here. Get them out. Well, human connection, Vaughn. What do you mean human connection? Go deeper. Okay. I mean, robots, algorithms, whatever, they're never, in my opinion, going to be able to replicate chemistry. I don't think they'll be able to necessarily recognize it. I don't think they'll be able to produce it. Well, they need to, though. No, but I think this is going to be definitely one of the downfalls because, I mean, even if you just look at, like, simplifying it by a whole whole, whole lot, it's like, just, like, dating apps and all that kind of stuff. They don't work. They don't work in most cases. I think, no. uh, so I think, therefore, well, you know, so I have a little business idea brewing. I think, yeah, that it, you need to go back to people kind of... Uh, 
the old fashioned matchmaking, meeting organically, all that kind of stuff. But yes, that can also have its, you know, um, negatives as well. But, and he knows also, uh, you were talking about this motivational mirror. I think that's very interesting. But then, what one of my thoughts is that I am my own motivational mirror. I <laughs> look in the mirror and I'm, wow, you know, you're looking good. And I think maybe because it comes from me, it has a, a much bigger impact than if I'm being told by a robot, which I know is programmed to do that. It's like you couldn't compare it to a friend who gives you a genuine compliment over something that's programmed to be nice to you. Um, so, but I think this also leads back to discussions we've had about sex dolls. <laughs> you know, I think uh, it always comes back to the sex dolls. I think, unfortunately, some people are not capable of having relationships. You know, they've got um, incredibly socially awkward, or they might have some really bad learning disabilities, or whatever, whatever prevents them from having meaningful connection so therefore this is also where maybe such ai could come into play to give them some form of that so it doesn't have to be a sex or as such it could be like a, a robot friend <laughs> <laughs> but yeah which... but these are the nice these are the nice things that will have to be blended into the the, the rollout of these ai processes because we're not going to obviously going to accept <laughs> i've got an ai robocop roaming my streets now <laughs> in your town every every town now has an ai police officer and that's it that's not going to be acceptable we're going to come up with some sort of plan to kidnap dismantle and destroy this thing it's the same way that these people destroy these uh these cameras and so on that they see out on the streets. So if they start to roll out the good and the bad, we're going to start to say, this sucks. But then again, there's this, right? So mm. I'm, I can now have found my perfect match. And I love my job because the algorithms, you know, connected me with this, this, this person or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So it's a slippery slope really is what it is but i think that we're I, I i hope that i'll be long gone by the time any of this happens anyway but i think that it'll probably get to a point where we'll be erased you know we'll be dealt with well, we're already erasing each other you know the example of that female cop in, in in michigan i mean i think this is the thing for example i think in some ways i would welcome a robocop you know, to be introduced slowly, you know, like have a minority of them and then, you know, alongside human police people and see how it goes. Because I, I think I, going back to, okay, so we're talking about AI and racism. I think, because um, like I was thinking of the, the courtroom example, if you have a computer program or some AI thing that does not know the race of someone it doesn't take it doesn't even have their name therefore it, it can i don't know what other factors it can eradicate racism as part of the decision and i think i don't know how that would work with a robocop because they would have to have some visual elements mm. or whatever unless somehow everybody's colored blue yeah i don't know that's the thing though we we that's in a perfect world but 
I'm always I, in the perfect one. I know, right? That's the best place to be. It's not very realistic, but it's a great <laughs> place to be. When I make something, I'm going to have to feed it as much information that I can about whatever it is that I need it to do. So if I'm creating this judge or this cop, statistically speaking, black people, brown people, minorities in this area have a higher percentage rate of breaking into houses, whatever the case may be, selling drugs, whatever. So now I have to program that into this robot. Even if I don't have to, I do it, right? Mm. I do it. So you can't, you can't find that within an algorithm. That's the problem. All these ones and zeros, you can't find that within that. It's kind of like this woman that shot this, this, this young man last week. You can't determine, and this is the problem, and this is why these robot cops will, will be uh, potentially welcomed. I can't say what that woman was thinking, what her intent was. No one can, right? can never ascertain what was going on inside her brain. I can only go off of what she tells me. And whether that's true or not, I have no way of determining that, right? So we want that factor to be eliminated. But when I create these things, again, you have to feed it as much information so that it can make an intelligent decision. And I think that the problem that we're going to see, like these AI, just the software that won't even recognize the darker tones face, mostly women, it recognized men more than women for some reason. Um, it will automatically come in with this presupposition that that person is, has a higher probability of doing X, Y, and Z, and I need to watch that. Kind of like how I go into a store and now the store guys watch me, but meanwhile, you're over there stealing everything and he ain't even looking at you, right? Mm. So it can be a problem because it's programmed by humans. We're the ones that make it yeah. and we're flawed. So it's, there's, there's something, uh, I think it was Einstein that was saying that, you know, the observer, the, the, the one that's, that's creating a, an experiment that is observing the experiment is being observed. Like the, the, you're being watched so it's you being there disrupts the entire process of the experiment itself because you're expecting a certain outcome and you're trying to yeah. make that outcome happen and if once you remove that person from the equation it's going to do what it's going to do you're not influencing anymore and that's the problem with this yeah. sort of thing I, it can't create itself i somebody has to be there to do it but once it can create itself and once it can perpetuate its own yeah. existence, that's when we're, we're probably in trouble. Any final thoughts before I send you off into oblivion? Because I'm scared well, now. <laughs> I think whoever becomes the architect of these devices, they would have to be very morally grounded. Never. But then again, who is to judge that? And I really do think that potentially I feel that this could be um, a force for good. I know, I know, potentially it could be. And instead of judging people by stereotypes and that kind of stuff, it could judge people just on their individual track record. 
but not make that an absolute in terms of their futures. Just want to so finish with my little rainbow. The little Martin rainbow. Luther King, the Martin Luther King robot, judging the man by his, <laughs> <laughs> his character. Yeah, let's get him back. Let's AI him. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing of it is, is that for me anyway, we see where China is going with their AI. And they've, and, and granted, China is what China is, but they're going to be controlling so much very soon that you're not going to be able to tell them anything anymore. Mm. They're going to control so much that they're going to say, yeah, okay, well, too bad because we own all this. So we're going to change all that because we, this doesn't fit our business model. So if we can't install these cameras in your, in your house or in your apartment building, I saw on that movie, I was watching the doc where they installed, um, where they had cameras in their lobby. And then the, the, the people that owned or managed the bills, the bid building were sending uh, notices or complaints or whatever to the tenants. They're like, you are congregating in this area and you, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's against the rules. And, they were just standing in the lobby talking to each other as they come in and out of the building. You know, they see somebody coming and going, Hey, how you doing? You know, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, this, this, this can be considered, uh, you know, a, a gang related thing or, you know, cause it, there's too many people in this group. And I've seen that in the malls, at least when I was working in the malls in Michigan back in the early, early nineties, you couldn't walk through the mall and groups of more than four as your as as kids so yeah. they want to break that up so what if you got four kids what if you got five kids right you're gonna kill one of them off yeah you're gonna wait in the car i'll leave the window down shut up <laughs> i know it's hot out so there's there's a lot of problem there potentially that is just waiting to be exploited and if china is running things which they're likely going to be in the next 10 years or so and they're going to be able to dictate policy a bit more and because of the way that they already run things i think we need to be extra special careful with that stuff so agreed that's what's gonna have to happen so um thanks for joining me today we're out of here folks don't forget to rate review subscribe and we're uh done